0: What it represents. When we talk about using language saying, I love the Lord, I love the Lord, I want you to evaluate in your own mind what that really means. Because all of us process love differently for different reasons. And it's not because we don't know the definition of the word love, but it's still in how we as individuals Process what love truly is. And I'm going to challenge you to think and consider that loving Jesus is not universal for everyone. And in fact, many people, when they say they love Jesus, really don't love Jesus the way Jesus wants them to love him. Let's look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, we are grateful to be able to sit before you right now. And Lord, we want to hear you speak to us about your truth right now. We want to hear your word right now. We are here, Lord, to certainly to praise and worship you, but we want to hear you speak to us now. We want you to teach us. Teach us about where we are personally in our relationship with you. And Lord, as we learn more about what this thing about love truly is, that we can see your nature about how much you love us and how in turn, Lord, we are to love others in the same manner. We're far from perfect, but Lord, you are perfect. And we want to bask in your perfection right now about this love that you have for us. Lord, we give you thanks and praise. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How much does peace of mind really matter to you when you have a reliable auto mechanic? How important is that to you in your life? If something has to be done to fix your car or... If you need to buy some tires when you get sick and tired of putting a patch on the one that you have, or if you need an oil change, your mechanic, a reliable mechanic, can do all of these things. Now, my dad did teach me a long time ago how to fix a flat, and there was one occasion where on the freeway, I actually had to pull over and fix a flat tire on the side of I-71. This was a little while ago, but... It was pretty valuable that I could do that because I didn't have to wait for, I think I think a trooper actually pulled up as I was finishing, so I didn't have to worry about him helping me. But it's important for you to know how to do that. Amen? You need to know how to fix your own flat tire, or at least take a, change it, put a spare on, and get back on the road so you can get the tire repaired or replaced altogether. And I passed on that same information to my children. I wanted them to know how to fix a flat tire if they got a flat tire. And I believe in both instances, both my my son and daughter, Allison and Bradley, they can fix the flat tire, and they can be on their way. Well, I can't do much more than that with a car. So I was very, very happy to use the services of my friend Jim Amer at West Hill Marathon in Akron, Ohio. Now, some of you might know who Jim is. He was actually servicing my cars... Over a 30-year period. 30 years. I couldn't believe it was that long myself. I had to think about it. That's a long time. He recently retired after selling his business at the corner of West Market Street and Merriman Road. Jim was the quintessential honest mechanic. He could fix your car outright or he could get it back on the road at a very reasonable price, which was also good, too. He had a number of mechanics who reported to him that were very knowledgeable, and they followed his lead about being honest mechanics. He ran his business with integrity, and I was one of his many, many loyal customers. Jim loved his job. He loved fixing cars. He loved servicing his customers. He loved everything about what he, about what he did. He was very, very good at it. And when you're doing a job like he was for so long, and if you think about working in a garage, whether it's hot outside or cold outside, guess what? He had to show up for work. You've got to love that. You've got to love what you do to do that. Because some of us, when it gets hot outside, we're ready to say, oh, man, I don't know if I can do this today. Or if it's cold outside, like, I'm going to pull the covers over my head. Well, he couldn't do that. He went and did his work. Now, there's a lot of very good auto mechanics out there, but there are a select few who are great at what they do. The great ones love what they do. One of the greatest gifts that you could ever receive is to be able to do a job, a job that you're paid for, and absolutely love doing it. That's one of the greatest gifts you could ever receive. To have a job, get paid for it, and love it too? That's a trifecta. That's a wonderful thing. But it's still work, and you look forward to the next day, and then the day after that, and every day thereafter, because there's the challenge of helping people to get where they have to go, to do what needs to be done. So why is it that we can love something like a job or love binge-watching a television series or even watch the Browns play a football game? And that even could be subject to discussion as well, too. But we still struggle in our love for Jesus. Now, let's be clear it's okay for you to love to do things in your life. Amen? God wired you in such a way where he gives you the ability to love certain things that you want to do in your life. And that's okay. But when someone mentions Jesus and having a relationship, a love relationship with Jesus, does it now get a little weird for you? I'm blessed to be part of a church that preaches the word of God. We're going to speak about the importance of loving Jesus Christ because that is exactly what God wants us to do. He wants us to love Jesus. And loving anything requires some degree of effort. Amen? We do it in a number of ways, but it all comes back to making sure that everybody understands when we speak truth, we're conveying God's truth to you, and we want to make it relatable to you as well, too. We want you to understand what's being said up here. We can't just keep spouting off a bunch of different verses, but there's got to be context behind what we're saying for greater understanding. We're going to try to provide context today about a love relationship with Jesus Christ. We understand what love is from our own perspective, but is it the right perspective? Is it the right perspective? We need to know more about God and how we are to love him. Why? Because God loves you. We say this all the time, don't we? God loves you. What does that really mean? Well, it means a great deal. He wants you to love him because he loves you. He wants a love relationship with you. He wants it so much that he shows you what he means and how he loves us through his word. I want to talk plainly about how we use the word love and challenge us as we mature in our faith and in our relationship with Jesus on how to become more and more in love with him. And gentlemen in this room, yes, that includes you. I pick on the guys sometimes when I'm speaking about things like love, because sometimes guys try to play that macho thing about love, and they may say they love their wives and stuff like that, and I got that, but when it comes to a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we all have room for improvement. Amen? If you say that you already love the Lord and that you don't need to go through this entire exercise, be careful. Please turn your Bible's electronic devices to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And feel free as we go through this exercise to write down these verses and make a note of them and refer back to them later because we do want to underst- want you to understand, too, that this is active act of participation when we're talking about learning about Jesus. And sometimes, you know, you get a bulletin, you know, you put notes in the bulletin and refer back to them. 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. Challenge number one, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, follow along in your own version. Verse 20, 1 John chapter 4. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. I could stop right there, for some of us. For if we don't love people we can see, How can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Now that's a challenge right there, put right in front of you. People come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. And our challenge... You're not going to be everybody's friend. But you know how to treat people the right way. And you know how to live for Jesus Christ as you interact with other people. Amen? That's love. That's what true love is. We're going to start here and declare some truths about how God loves each and every one of us and see how it is helpful in this particular essay To look not at just the words, but the depth of God, love that God has for us. The depth of love. And he loves us so deeply. And remember, we haven't done anything to deserve it. Nothing to deserve how God loves us. Some believers think that we're on a brownie point system with God. The more that you do, the more he's going to love you. Nope. That's not right. It's not on brownie points. Does he respect and honor you because you're obedient to him? Absolutely. But that's the issue. Be obedient to him. Not just because you're doing stuff. Go back in 1 John chapter 4 to verse 16b, which is the second part of that verse. Same chapter, 1 John 4, 16b. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Go back further. Go to verses 9 and 10. Same chapter, 1 John 4, Verses 9 and 10. This verse should look very familiar to you. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. Verse 10. Look very carefully. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Of course, John very eloquently wrote about the love of God for us in all of his letters. And the most recognizable verse that we are all familiar with, speaks of the depth of his love. Please turn to John chapter 3. Let's look at verses 16 and 17. Now, i got to tell you something. Verse 17, for me personally, is more of a life verse. Because we live in a world where everybody wants to condemn everybody else who doesn't believe in them. Jesus came and showed us, He did not come to condemn us, but he did come to save us. And we need to understand what that love really represents for us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. It all focuses back to Jesus Christ, how much he loves us, how much he's inviting us in this period of grace to come to him and recognize him as Lord. That's love. God loves us so much that he gave us Jesus as our human, sinless sacrifice. Sacrifice for what? For us. For our sins. Because he cares for our very existence. And wants us to have eternal life with him. He wants us to spend our lifetime on earth with him and our afterlife with him forever because he is a forever loving God. His love is eternal. Eternal love. God is not flighty where he'll love you one day and say, oh, I don't know about that. He doesn't do what we as human beings do. He doesn't play human games. Amen? When he says, My ways are far beyond the way that your ways are. My thoughts are far beyond what your thoughts are. Praise the Lord for that. Because if he were like a human being, we'd be all doomed. Amen? I want to make that clear. He stands on his word. His word is truth. It's always been truth. It always will be truth. His word is eternal. His truth is eternal. His love is eternal. Amen. Can you grasp the breadth, depth, and width of God's love for you? Look at how Paul speaks about it. Turn, please, to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to read through verses 14 through 19 and take a look at what Paul says about this love that God has for us. And understand something. As we learn more about how we're to love God, we have to learn about how God loves us. I hope you're picking up on that. We've got to see how he loves us and what he puts into it in order for us to understand the importance of us loving God in the same way, as best we can. Ephesians 3, verse 14. Let's start there. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious Unlimited resources. He will empower you. Listen very carefully. He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. As you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. You know why it's too great? We're human beings. We would blow up if we had full understanding of who God really was and how much he loved us. We couldn't handle it. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness in life and pow- of life and power that comes from God. But let's be very clear here. God loves us more than we can ever calculate, put our arms around, imagine, it surpasses all of our ways of thinking. Doesn't negate it. It's true. He loves us. When you fully understand where Paul is coming from. And and look at how much Jesus loves you. It should cause you to fall on your knees. I mean drop right to your knees. And the words worship and praise will flow Much more freely from your lips. It will be part of your vocabulary. Praise the Lord. Worship the Lord. Fall on your knees. Because remember, do we deserve to be loved by God? We don't deserve anything. We don't deserve that. What do we do to, to deserve God's love? You can't think of anything because there isn't anything. The love from God that we referred to in John chapter 3 verse 16 is commonly referred to as agape love. We've, we use that terminology and that's what has been framed over the years when we look at you know certain root words in the Greek. Agape love comes from the Greek word agape. Agapao, A-G-A-P-A-O, Agapao. That's the word that is commonly used in Scripture. It describes love 142 times in the King James Bible. 142 times. Now, agape love has evolved to a place where it describes the f- defining love that God has for the world, which basically is every person he's ever created. That's how it defines it. But if we dig into the use of agapa-o in scripture, we're going to run into a dilemma in a similar manner that we have with the word love within our own English language. If we're to put our Bible scholar caps on, just put them on, put your Bible scholar caps on, and if you look at the word Based agapao based upon the Greek language. If you study the Greek language, look at Greek manuscripts. What you're going to find is that agapao is used a lot, but it's not just about the way it's referenced in Scripture about God's love. It's also used to describe. Turn to Luke 6:32. Turn real quick to that. Luke chapter 6, verse 32. Agapao is also describing the love that Jesus refers to. Here, when describing how sinners are loving other sinners. Luke 6.32. If you go back and look at this and look at the Greek, you'll find the word agapao in this passage. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And agapao is also used, the term used by the Jewish elders when the centuri- about the centurion when speaking to Jesus in Luke 7, 5. Go over to Luke 7, 5 real quick. You can make a note of it as well too, but Luke chapter 7, verse 5. Luke 7, 5. For he loves our nation. Love is agapo For he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. Now, hopefully this isn't too disconcerting, because when we compare these verses to Agapao in John 3.16, there's clearly a different intent. Love is still being spoken of, but it's being used in these different passages. But don't, and, and don't in any way take this to mean anything about Scripture being inerrant, because this is God's spoken word. So let's go a little bit deeper here. This is all about context. Context. It's really important for all of us when we look at what Scripture is saying. We look at it based upon context. Now what's helpful for this exercise, to draw back a little, let's take a look at the meanings of the word love in the English language. It has different meanings. Example number one. I love my wife with all my heart. Number two. I love my children, even though they drive me crazy. Number three. I love hanging out with my friends from college. Number four. I love a galley boy and a coney dog from Swenson's. Amen. That's four different, representat- four different representations of the word love. Amen. Same word, four different meanings. All of these expressions of love have different contextual meanings. And when I say that we need to learn about love, we need to learn about even our own language sometimes when we're speaking about love. Amen? Amen? Yeah. We also know that there are different ways to express love in English that are captured in the Greek words. We've, we've heard this before. We've talked about this. Eros for romantic or sexual love. Storge for familial love. And philia for Friendship. The English word love is used in each of these instances and it is used freely with the understanding of context. In order to make the distinction of these characteristics with godly love, we need to use adjectives in order to create greater context. Adjectives. Descriptives. Okay? So agapeo needs the same help here as well. Agape love, in order to convey God's love for us, requires an additional phrase, to theou, T-O-U-T-H-E-O-U, which means of God. Of God. It's especially applicable when you're looking at amnos to theos, or how John the Baptist referred to Jesus with being the Lamb of God. We're taking it to another level here now with understanding. Please turn to John chapter 1. Let's look at verses 29 through 36. For those of you who have been in Sunday school, we've covered uh, John chapter 1 within the last couple of weeks. And I want you to look at what he says, what John the Baptist says about Jesus Christ. And understand something. As you're reading this text and looking at this text, John is still in a discovery mode. Just like you in this particular writing. He's still learning more about who this Jesus is. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. Look at verse 31. I did not recognize him as the Messiah. Really? Still learning. But I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Verse 32, then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, said this again. But when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. And drop down to verse 35. The following day John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. Now you could spend a long time going over this passage. We won't do that. But we're going to shift back to, first he's referring to Jesus as the Lamb of God, which... Lambs were commonly used back at that time for what? Sacrifices. He's the Lamb of God. So when we use the term agape love, we are referring to a quality of love that is tied to the supreme divinity as described in Strong's Dictionary. Supreme divinity. The one and only Jesus who takes away the sins of the world. As we read more about Jesus, this agape love of the highest integrity, the highest quality, is tied directly to his character. Jesus' character. This love that Jesus has is tied directly to his character. The character of the one we read about, we study about, we pray to. The highest character. We see early on in the Gospel of John that his love is reflected in his compassion for his people. Jesus loves the people. He loves everything about them. He wants them to know more about who he is. Guess what? He wants that for us too. That is the type of love that we have to emulate on behalf of Jesus to the world. More than Eros love, more than Storge love, more than Philia love. All of these are good, but loving Jesus means living and understanding all of these types of relationships and now building upon them. Building upon these. You can have a spouse... Love your wife, love your husband, love your friends, love your family. With all of their dysfunction. Amen? That was a quiet amen, but I know better. But he wants you to love them too. Build upon what you know and understand now. Loving Jesus means living and understanding his love and now building it in your life and loving others in the same way. Jesus calls us to go beyond our own reasoning and understanding as we are called to love the unlovable. The unlovable. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Look at verses 43 and 44. Loving the unlovable. I can't believe I wrote this myself because I don't even (laughs) like the idea of it, but I know I have to do it. And you have to do it too. Matthew 5, verses 43 and 44. You've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Do you understand how important that is in a world today where people are ready to basically condemn everyone else, like I said earlier? I'm thankful for Jesus because he's showing the example in his word on how he loves everybody, no matter what they're doing. Still wants them to come to a saving knowledge for him, but we have to learn how to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Have you done that? I saw a couple of head nods. That's about it, though. This type of love in our own flesh is impossible without the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's impossible without the Holy Spirit. In your flesh, you will not love anybody, especially those people who cuss at you. You won't do it. The Spirit has to lead in this. What have we learned about loving Jesus at this point? I hope you can see that this thing about loving Jesus is not a natural thing unless the Holy Spirit is involved. The Holy Spirit has to be the driving force behind you loving Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not a natural thing in your naturalness. You will not do anything of the sort. Amen. Am I preaching about it or not? The spirit has to be in the lead to do this. The moment you think you're doing it, you're already off course. It was pointed out, we can be very arrogant sometimes in our approach about loving Jesus. Because Jesus paid it all for us. We didn't do a daggone thing. Amen? The moment you think that you're doing something to earn Jesus' favor, you're already off course and on the arrogant planet. You ain't done a daggone thing. He has to teach us how to love him. Turn to Galatians five. let's look at verses 16 and 17. Galatians 5:16 and 17. The Holy Spirit has to help us overcome the flesh, our selfish desires, and we can be selfish. Amen. We, amen. we have selfish desires. We, have, we make up reasons not to do what we just spoke of. I'm sorry, I've got I to gotta go watch the football game. I'm sorry, I'm too busy for this. That's going to interfere with my time. I'd much rather watch the late game on Fox or whatever the heck it is. We find reasons. And we make them up. Thank you. Preach, brother. We make them up. Because the flesh wants to do what the flesh wants to do. But look what it says in Galatians 5, verses 16 and 17. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Hmm. about that verse 17 the sinful nature wants to do evil which is the just the opposite of what the spirit wants and the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires praise the lord these two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions So you see, the Spirit has to lead. Otherwise, we'll just sit and do whatever we want to do. And while some of those things may not be nefarious, some of them certainly may be out of the will of God. We have learned about love only on our own terms, based upon our own life experiences. And this is not a discussion about what your mom and dad told you about the birds and the bees. Amen? It goes much deeper than that. I mean, if they even told you anything. My parents didn't tell me anything about that. So guess what I had to find out for myself. And it wasn't always so good. Amen? Amen. Just being real here. Some of us are very good with interpersonal relationships, while others will struggle in them. Why? It's because of how we understand love. If we've been hurt before, it has an impact on how we have interpersonal relationships. Because we want to protect ourselves, we don't want to get hurt again. That's a normal thing. You know what? God knows exactly where you're at with that. Relationships that are healthy reflect healthy love relationships. Dysfunctional relationships reflect unhealthy love. Our life experience can effectuate how you feel about Jesus because of the success or failures in our own human relationships. If you allow that to continue, This is where we now have to look at love from the perspective of Jesus. This is far greater than all the stuff we've been through. But we have to do what? Have faith and trust. He's going to fix it. In due time, he'll fix it. But you've got to have faith. You have to trust him. He is our ultimate teacher. He teaches us how to love Him and, in turn, teaches us how to love others as well. Even those people who hate you. He teaches you how to do it. But you've got to be in prayer, you've got to focus on Him. You've got to believe that he is the one who's going to fix it. And fixing it means you can move forward. Not stay stuck in a bad situation. He tells us about love and how to love. He tells us about this in his word. So you've got to be in the word. You have to stay in the word. Our flesh makes it difficult to remain consistent in loving Jesus and his ways. We have to be taught how to go about it as students. We have to overcome our fleshly desires. These bad relationships, these things we've been through before, we've got to let him overcome all this. He will do it for you. But you've got to have faith and trust him. If we're good students... He helps us with our good human relationships to make them even better. And he'll show us how he can fix the difficult relationships we have with others and improve them. Why? He sanctifies us. His sanctifying power through the Holy Spirit makes all the difference. Because he wants us to keep improving, he wants us to keep growing, he wants us to keep developing. I'm 62 years old. I'm still growing and learning. Sometimes they say life begins at 60. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes it takes half of your life to figure out what's going on before you know the goodness of God. Amen? Amen? But it's true. His sanctifying power makes the difference. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's take a look at verse 21. 2 Timothy 2 verse 21. You have to make a decision in your life to live in such a manner where you are going to put aside those things that are going to keep you from this relationship with Jesus and live in such a manner where you want to be Let's use the word honorable before Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.21. This is the English Standard Version. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. We need to do this because there's one very important element in loving Jesus here. We need to be had to be taught about God's agape love in order to better understand him and our own love relationships. Let's take a look at another verse, 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is one of those places you go to immediately in the Bible to look at the attributes of love that we as believers must have. And if it's anything in here is missing, then you've got to work on it. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Sorry about that. I didn't say that. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through verse 7. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. God teaches us by showing us how he loves us. 1 John chapter 4 verse 19 says we love because he first loved us. We just do it. He just did it himself. We just do the same thing. He loved us and had compassion for us from the very beginning. And even before that, turn to Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 8. This is something that we need to see about God's love for us once again, just to re- really put this point further and further in front of us about why we need to love God and do it without hesitation. Without hesitation. Ephesians 1, verse 3, also from the New Living Translation, please follow in your version. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Verse 4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. We're going back a long, long way, everybody. Verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Sometimes you can't go too fast. He considers us a great pleasure to love us verse 6. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave us our sins. He has showered us kindness. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. He has a selfless love for us. He thinks only about us. He gave of himself for us. Flip over to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans 5, verse 8. We're going to read through to verse 11. You can't look at passages like this too often. When you think you're unloved, you're already wrong. God loves you. Romans 5, verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. You can't look at these passages too often. He loves us so much. It's established in his word. How are we to love God? There's only one obvious way that goes beyond our mere mere feelings. We must trust and obey in his word. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, obey my commandments. If you love the Lord, obey my commandments. We're not talking about a huggy-feely love. We're talking about doing what God says because it's good for you. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. They're not a burden. They're not too hard. They're not too difficult. Jesus says, My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He makes it simple for us. We just have to decide what we're going to do. Jeremiah 7:23. Turn to that real quick. Jeremiah chapter 7:23. All throughout God's word, Old Testament, New Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, all throughout God's word, God gives us reminders. If we just listen to him, if we just pay attention to him, if we just listen to him speak to us, if we just do what he t- He already loves us. Why would he tell you something that wouldn't be agreeable to you? He's not going to give you information that's going to say, you know, it was a waste of time or anything like that. He's giving you information to help you because he loves you. That's been established. Jeremiah 7.23 says, But this command I gave them, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in the way that I command you, that it may be well with you. The Holy Spirit is our teacher that helps us to learn more about the love of Jesus. Do you recognize how wonderful, how beautiful, how amazing it is to have the indwelling Holy Spirit to give you what you need, to teach you? Job 32, verse 8. Last one. Job 32, verse 8. Job 32, verse 8. How can any indwelling Holy Spirit be anything but good for you? But there is a spirit within people, the breath of the Almighty within them, that makes them intelligent. You're gonna get better and better and better as you rely upon the Spirit. He is speaking truth to you, He's speaking good things for you. This perfect love from God gives us a greater ability to love as He loves us. May we be better students? Students of the Bible, students over his word, and learn more about loving Jesus and loving others as he loves us. May he indeed increase our faith more and more in his love. I'll just close with one more thing. I'm always convicted to make sure that I remember people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, and you do the same thing, and pray for them. Pray for them to have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And they'll have what you have. And if there's anyone in this room right now that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, may you make the commitment to believe he is Lord of your life. Because all the things I've talked about with love, you'll be doing things all the old way. You'll be scuffling and scraping through life but not understanding the true love of Jesus Christ in your life and how that can enrich your life, help you grow personally. That's my prayer for you. Father, we are so thankful for your teaching. We are thankful for your wisdom. We are thankful for your guidance. We are thankful for how you tell us about love and declare that your love is far beyond what we as human beings can understand. And yet, you love us anyway. You teach us anyway about how much you love us. May we be receptive, receptive to your teaching. May we speak more and more about loving you. May we pray more and more at times on our knees because we recognize how much you love us and care about us before we had a word to say about it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for enabling us with the power of the Spirit to learn more about you and grow more in you. Lord, we want to say the words we love the Lord and mean it. We want to be honest about who we are before you. Help us with those burdens that restrict us from greater understanding about you. Remove them from our lives right now. We thank you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.